Hey girl, welcome back to another episode of The The Spiritual Gaze. I'm your host, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because it doesn't. And that's right, I did just say monthly, because that's a thing I'm trying to get off the ground. You're really trying to make that happen. (laughs) I really am. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm trying. (coughs) Excuse me. You're a little sick today, aren't you? Hey, everybody. I'm Angel, and I've got a cold. <laughs> you came back from Sundance, and this will be the third year in a row that you've come back from Sundance. And what, should, what did you bring me besides an adorable little uh, alpaca figurine, uh-huh. um, some delicious chocolate, mm-hmm. and your deep, deep sickness? <laughs> <laughs> Look, this sickness, though, I will say is not as intense as last year's No, sickness. last year when I had to sleep in the spirit room for three nights because you were so sick, I had to quarantine you into the bedroom. Y'all, I had like, it was like knives in my throat. It was the worst sickness I think I'd had in a long, long time. All right, well, let's not talk about it. No, because it's be gone. It's banished into the past. Yeah, you've just got a little bit of a <laughs> flu or a cold. It's fine. I haven't caught it. It's yeah, a very no. rainy Saturday here in Los Angeles. It's and we're really beautiful. Bundled up with the candles lit. Our backyard may be flooding. It's fine. It's fine. We're going to be fine, everybody. <laughs> Don't send help. It's okay. No, it's actually a really beautiful hour right now. Yeah, it is so gorgeous. I love just to sit and watch the rain. It's so rare we get to do that here. I know. Noche and I were just sitting on the couch watching it earlier. I know. He loves the rain when he doesn't have to be out in it. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, he's going to have to pee on the floor in the house because <laughs> <laughs> we're not taking him out in it. <laughs> uh, before we go any further down this rabbit hole, should we introduce ourselves and what we do? Yes, please. You first. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, I am Brandon Alter. I am a healer. I am a tarot reader and teacher. I'm also an actor and a writer. Gorgeous. Oh, I guess uh, I'm also gorgeous. You are gorgeous, Thanks honey. so much. Honey. Uh, and I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a film producer and executive. And I'm an astrologer and I'm a damn seamstress. You're no seamstress. Ugh, but we can learn. We could take, you know, some sewing classes. Yeah. If you could add anything to the list of things you know, that are descriptions of you, what would it be? Mm. I wish I could play the piano. So you would say pianist? Pianist, yeah. I mean, you can play the piano. I know. It's not too late. I'm 34 years old. It's like, actually, I'm not even 34 years old. I'm almost 34 wow. years old, but I'm just getting comfortable saying it, you know? She ready. I'm ready. Uh, although, I've been doing the same thing, by the way. I'm like, okay. yeah, I keep ta- saying like, I'm a 42-year-old man. I'm like, <laughs> oh, not yet, but I might as well. Totally. At this point. Uh, but no, I know it's not too late. I should just start practicing again and take some lessons, but I just would love to be able to sit down and just really tickle those ivories. Uh, what about you? What would you add to your to your list of honestly film director? Oh, I mean, I have been a film director. I was a film director once. I made a short film. Yes, but, you did. Uh, honestly, like if I could somehow manage it, I would totally go back to school for directing film. Well, you don't have to go back to school. Yeah, but I would just love to like steep myself in it so much and like learn everything about it. Um, if I could. Yeah. You know, I just got back from the film festival and I, um, you know, got a chance to watch a bunch of things. And yeah, I just get really motivated and inspired. I get inspired because, yeah, I'm not entirely motivated because then I just hit a wall because <laughs> I'm like, when am I going to make that happen? But you know what? I'm going to make it happen. I should just make a fucking movie. Yeah, make a movie. All right, bitch. Well, then you're going to be a pianist. 
And I'm going to be a film director. <laughs> we did it. 2019. Here we come. Podcast over. Yay. Good night. All right, cool. Well, I think we're going to do a little cosmic update, right? Yes, everybody. Pull out your stargazing glasses. It's time for a cosmic, cosmic update. update. So, honey, what's the cosmic update? Well, um, you know, we are in Aquarius season. I had no idea. You know so well. Uh, you know what? I actually really love Aquarius season, and not just because it goes through my 10th house, which just makes me feel like able to be out in the world um, as a 12th house son. But, uh, you know, I love connecting to the energy of inspiration and creativity Um and, you know, on some levels, rebellion, just on a general level. What are you rebelling against right now? <laughs> right now? I mean, I think on some levels I'm rebelling against my old, like, modes of being. Love that. You know, it's like, actually, sister, we're done. Yes, like, I'm sister. I'm cutting the cords of you. No offense to sister. But, you know, <laughs> I think it's just like, sometimes you have to really recognize, um when you're, you know, stuck in a moment. And I think, uh, sorry, I just, it's so funny. I'm now just drawing the connection because I thought of my sister, who then is a huge U2 fan, which made me think of the song Stuck in a Moment that you can't get out of. And in a way, like, that is such a, like, course of life, you know, that, like, when we're able to recognize that we're stuck in a moment that we can't get out of is when we can really, like, be like uh uh hold back and rebel against like some sort of just like you know thing in ourselves that we've just allowed it to be like our standard human nature that ultimately is not an intrinsic part of our human nature well it goes to the awareness of it right it completely goes to the awareness of it that's actually what i love about the minor arcana cards and the tarot is i always say like this card is helping you to see what sort of moment you're in right now this is a yeah. window into your world and as soon as you can realize like oh i'm in a three of swords moment okay i know what to do now yeah and we're in Mercury and Aquarius right now. So, you know, with Mercury and Aquarius, Mercury, that ruler of the mind, you know, it is very much being led by this whole like, you know, sense of inspiration, creativity. But innovation. Yeah, innovation. But how do I innovate myself into a new me, you know? And now on the 11th, Mercury is going to move into Pisces. Ah. And what's important about that is that we're going to actually retrograde, have a Mercury retrograde in Pisces. Oh, really? Yeah. Does it go back into Aquarius at all or it's all in no, Pisces? No, it's all in Pisces. And oh. we're going to enter the shadow phase of it on the 20th, uh, which basically means that, you know, that's the point where that when Mercury retrogrades, it's going to get back to. So let me just spell it out. February 11th. Mercury moves into Pisces. And can we just talk about what that is, Mercury and Pisces? So Mercury and Pisces, not the easiest placement, I would say. No, I always think of Mercury as the planet of communication, right? Mm -hmm. And in Pisces, he's lost in the cosmic soup. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he doesn't know which way's up. He's like, remember that movie Fantasia? That like crazy animated hallucinogenic film that Disney made? Yeah, um... When I, it was one of the very first movies, it was the first movie I ever saw as a kid. And when the big like monster came out, yeah. I got up out of the theater and ran out of it screaming. Aww. My mom had to come and get me. How old were you? I mean, 
maybe two. I oh my god, she took you to see Fantasia at two? <laughs> I mean, she probably just thought, oh, it's dancing hippos to classical music. She well, didn't know she hadn't seen it. That's Mercury and Pisces. One moment <laughs> you're looking at a dancing hippo having the time of your life, and the next minute there's a monster chasing you out of the movie theater screaming. Uh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I think the other side of Mercury and Pisces is if we can release ourselves from the need to like control our thoughts that we can then sort of slip into the intuitive mind. And I think that's the goal with a Mercury and Pisces transit is how do I allow myself to be guided and release myself from needing to fully understand everything that's happening. It's really on some levels like a really nice invitation to magic, Mm. I think. No, I totally agree. I also think that Mercury in Pisces is communicating the messages from the invisible world. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's also about allowing expression to move through you. Yeah. So I think knowing that Mercury is about to move into Pisces, we have to all sort of gear ourselves up for a space of like, how do I fully allow myself to connect to my spiritual self and allow that communication to come more into play? And lastly, creativity, right? Because Pisces is is the sign of the artist. Yeah. Well, so if we think of yeah. Mercury in Pisces, we're also thinking about like really creative expression, intuitively inspired creative yeah. expression. Well, and hello, we create. You know, we are the co-creators of our life with spirit. We are. Well, yeah, I believe so. I mean, I think, I do think we have free will. I don't think that things just happen to us. Yeah. No, I was being facetious. <laughs> It's always a partnership, y'all. Spirit can't do it all for you. I'm sick. Uh, But yeah, so I think that is the whole thing. So the idea of being a co-creator and being present for that creation process. So let's think about it. We're then going to, you know, hit the retrograde on March 6th. Y'all got that? March 6th, Mercury retrograde in Pisces. At 29 degrees. Oh, fuck. It gets all the way to the end of Pisces. And it's like, you know what? I got to go back into the soup. Yeah, she's like, you know what? Y'all did not fully connect yourselves to your spirit. No. So let's take you through all the shit you just tried to control and rewind and allow you to try and come at it again from a place of spirit and intuition Mm. and true intention. So... You know, and then it's going to retrograde back. So I'd say come February 20th when we hit that shadow stage. And we've talked about the shadow phase before, which is sort of basically just where the degree it's going to retrograde back to. Does that make sense? That does. So, you know, so starting on the 20th, that's really when the lessons will start to kick in. So really just be paying attention to what's showing up for you starting on February 20th. And just moving forward into that March 6th retrograde moment. And then it's going to go all the way through, hello, my birthday, March 29th, which is when it goes direct. On your birthday? Yeah. Babe, that's huge. That's amazing. Guys, this retrograde's about me. It's all about you. <laughs> so, Well, you know, last year we had retrogrades in fire signs. Mm-hmm. And I feel like retrogrades in fire signs is the hardest. Oh, yeah. And this is this year is retrogrades in water sign. Yeah. So I think it'll be a little gentler. Yeah. I think that means like less, you know, people are always like, Mercury retrograde, my computer broke down, my car broke down. I think there'll probably be a little bit less of that unless you're traveling by water. Uh, <laughs> In which case, your cruise is getting canceled, Grandma. Yeah, y'all, don't get up on that cruise. <laughs> don't take the boat trip. 
Um, yeah, yeah. It'll don't be like take a, the ferry, everybody. It'll be like a Housewives of New York situation. Yeah, and off the coast of <laughs> Cartagena. Yeah, but uh, but anyhow, so I'm sure we'll talk about the Mercury retrograde again at some point. Oh, I'm um, sure we while will we're, when we're more in it. Um, and then I think just the other thing to be sort of noticing is that we're uh, shifting Venus into Capricorn uh, on the fourth. Yes. Uh, so by the time you hear this, Venus She'll will already have be moved there. In yeah, to Capricorn. An interesting combo. Yeah. If we think of Venus as how we relate to others, the planet of love, mm-hmm. and Capricorn being, you know, that ambitious, strategic, goal-oriented builder, the mountain, Venus and Capricorn is really about strategically connecting with those that share your goals and your visions. But yes. she's also bossy AF. <laughs> so she just is. be aware, everybody, that from the fourth through, because when does she move into Aquarius? What? Oh, afterwards? Yeah, when does Venus move into Aquarius? March 2nd. Okay, so from February 4th to March 2nd, it's interesting because you're going to want to be partnering with those authority figures that can help you while simultaneously rebelling against authority because that's very Aquarius. So it's (laughs) going to be a little push and pull. You know, you're going to be like, oh, they can really help me. I should collaborate with them. But then also you're going to feel like, well, why the fuck do I need anybody? I'm going to do this my own way. So just make sure that you're not being so triggered by other people's bossiness and become aware of your own bossiness. You know, there are many roads to reach the same goal. Um, But I think strategic partnership, Venus and Capricorn, that's a really high vibe way to think about it. You know, who can help you? Well, and who shares your level of ambition? Mm, And really your integrity of ambition, right? Totally. Why? Why are you doing this in the first place? Yeah. So that's your cosmic update, everybody. Venus moving into Capricorn, Mercury moving into Pisces. Uh, and also, you know, there will be Pisces season happening. Uh, which, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that'll be happening the 20th, the mm. 18th. Yeah. Around there. Around there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, which is I always love to look at it as sort of the like end of our astrological cycle. So, yeah, because Pisces is the last sign of the Zodiac. Yeah. So really that sort of end of a year on you know a greater level. And we have another, you know, astrology-heavy episode for y'all gazers because what we'd like to transition to now is our deep dive into talking all about the rising sun. Yeah, I'm all fired up. Let's do it. So, you know, put on your scuba suits and hold your breath, everybody, because it's time for our (gasps) deep dive. So we're talking about the rising sign. Yes, you ready? You ready? So, you know, we had a great episode, I don't know, last month about the moon. Mm-hmm. And the moon is your heart, your needs, how you relate to yourself. And now we're going to transition and talk about your rising sign. And your rising sign, just think about what was on the horizon, literally what was rising at the moment of your birth. It's what also sign known as, yes, sorry, what sign is rising. <laughs> it's also known as your ascendant. Yes. Because it is ascending. Mm hmm. So how would you begin to talk about the rising sign? My love, Angel Lopez, astrology for the stars. (laughs) Well, the rising sign was always something that when I was first learning about astrology, you know, um, was very much about like the mask in Mm. a way. You know, I think that was like the really strong initial way of looking at it was because, you know, that sun and I always say sun, soul, moon, heart. heart rising face Face. we're gonna put it on a t-shirt y'all it'll be our first item of merch yeah exactly 
It's like a Lady Gaga song <laughs> from A Star Is Born. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah. So the idea that that rising sign was sort of, I as I always say, like even like the filter through which everything else is coming. Um, you know, it's that first impression sign. Uh, you know, and the idea that. I think it always connects to is that, you know, when you meet someone and they say, you know, oh, yeah, I'm an Aquarius. And you're like, you know, some of the time you'll have that experience and be like, oh, you don't seem like one, you know, or, or I wouldn't get that from you. And I think that the rising sign has a lot to do with that. Because the rising sign could also be seen as the persona. Yeah. And also, I think the rising sign has something to do with your essence. Hmm. Because another way we talk about the rising is it's not just what people perceive off of you or the lens through which you're perceiving your reality, right. but it's that which is rising throughout your whole life. You are rising towards your ascendant. Yeah, yeah. So there's a invitation to embody, to not just be the persona of it, but to fully embody the attributes and the medicine of that sign. Yeah, that was actually something this... Um another great astrologer, Heidi Rose Robbins, really kind of in, um, ignited for me when I had a reading with her many, many years ago was this whole notion of, yeah, like moving toward that energy to mm. some degree. And for me, being an Aries with a Taurus rising, um, I've definitely always connected to my Taurus, but the idea of having to sort of like grow into being a Taurus was really um, inspiring to me. Um, because there is something about needing some of that energy, I feel like, to help me manifest my greater self. And I think the more and more that I've thought about that, the more I've come to realize, too, the importance of moving into your rising as a way to connect to your greater authenticity. Because the whole idea is, you know, what you see is should be what you get. So the idea that we're potentially wearing a mask doesn't feel as relevant anymore, you know? I feel like when that whole mentality in astrology was built, it was connected a lot to this idea of, like, we all have a hidden self, a hidden life. So to me, I think that's the most exciting part about the rising is this whole notion of how do I grow into my authenticity even more, you know? And I think that it is, like you said, sort of like an invitation no, it's so level. it's such a beautiful way to think about it because when I think about my rising, I'm an Aries rising. Mm -hmm. Zero degree. A zero degree, or maybe a one degree. Um, and I am a leader, but I never really absorbed that or would call myself a leader until I really looked at the rising sign and went, oh, mm. I'm a fucking, I've got a fucking Aries stellium. You know, people look at me and they think, oh, here's a guy that's like going to lead the charge. And to be honest, that's not my go-to. I'm an Aquarius sun. So I just like want to be in the in the circle with everybody else. Yeah, you get pretty mad at me when I try to make you take the lead. <laughs> but inherently, I am a leader and I do take the lead. And you're a really great leader. I know, but I'm just so resistant to it. Which is funny, too, because then well, I... Well, in the past, I've been so resistant to it. Now I'm just like, yeah, I just I lead. Yeah, which is funny because I am... Essentially, I'm an Aries, so I am a leader, but I but I tend to sort of want to just kind of like, you know, be in the herd, you know, like I kind of want to like that Taurus element of me. I mean, I think Taurus is a leader as well, but I think they're much more of like the workers, you know, they're like, I have the I, I have the blueprint. Now I'm going to build it. Yeah. Well, and please, this is not me trying to be shady at all but oh here we go everybody 
you're you have a challenging Aries placement. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you are, you know, you've got your ruling planet Mars. Foreign Aries is in Pisces. Yeah, it's like yeah. you're a twelfth house sun. You know, like you are not. You are an Aries by all means, but you have a lot of energies that make it harder to be the Aries in the world that you were meant to be. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm like I have all the like leadership qualities, but I don't entirely like translate them as well as I wish I could. Well, you're learning how to trust them. Yeah, I have to fight really hard to like bring the leader out. But I do think I'm a really good intuitive leader. That's what the Pisces helps. Hmm. So we fielded some questions from y'all about the rising sign, and we'll definitely get through those questions. But we thought that we might just, in the way that we've started to do, just go through the Wheel of the Zodiac and just talk really briefly about what each rising sign might have to share uh, in terms of how you might experience this energy in your life if you are one of these rising signs. And we already kind of began by talking about an Aries rising, which is going to be the energy of a leader, of somebody that, you know, kind of acts on impulse. The Aries mm -hmm. rising is somebody that speaks first, acts first, thinks second. Right. A lot of impulse needs to be first. Yeah, very creative um, and excited mm -hmm. about everything. There's such a, like, childlike enthusiasm to an Aries rising. Which I think is how the impulse control gets a little, like muddied you know with an Aries rising as speaking as one is like the excitement's like oh, that's so exciting let's just let's yes let's do it yeah they can seem a little like naive when they like launch their big idea you know the big plan everyone's like is that really gonna work out but then they'll work really hard to like try and manifest it as best as possible yeah I actually think that's why your Aries Aquarius is a good combo because you will launch the idea but then you'll build the great team around you to actually bring it into light I'm building it as we speak <laughs> yes you are and then Taurus rising so here you are hi everybody I'm a Taurus rising like my mother oh yeah so how would you describe us honey stubborn as fuck you take forever <laughs> to leave the house does your mother take a long time to leave the house oh my god yes actually that is so funny to think about how that's how I've manifested because you don't really remind me of my mom or my dad like I'm not in a relationship with one of my parents mm -hmm. except that I will always remember my dad waiting for my mom to like leave the house when they had to like go somewhere because she would take forever to get dressed you know like very Barbara Streisand Taurus yeah. and you are the same way you will like you will not leave the house I'll stand by the front door with the keys for like 10 minutes and I don't know what you're doing but she won't leave so just grazing just grazing um but Taurus rising is also you know very grounded there's a very um comforting presence of stability yeah i'm always grateful for it because we assume that you've got your shit together a lot more than you actually do <laughs> exactly. yeah your taurus rising had me fooled for like the first eight months that we were dating how dare you <laughs> it's true i uh yeah i will always have like a swirl of chaos going on in my head and everyone's like oh angel can handle it he's so reliable yeah totally and i'm like oh god <laughs> help me I think it's, you know, I think the Aries shows through a little more. But I mean, I think what I've, I do think of myself as a reliable person. And you are. Yeah, I think I will move, high, you know, hell and high water to accomplish something. No, you're tremendously loyal. You're tremendously grounded. And I think something that Taurans are known for is being impeccable with their word. Like if a Taurus agrees to help you with something, you can count on them to show up. And you're definitely that. Oh, well, thanks, Babs. Gemini rising. Girl, they'll talk your ear off. Girl, they will never stop talking. They want to get in that conversation. Get in that conversation space, that creative space, yeah. that like seeing things. I think a Gemini rising is also like a really good devil's advocate. A Gemini rising can see things from all points of view. 
Yeah, and they have a good sense of humor, I think. Very, very charming. Very. Yeah. Well, I don't know if charming, if I would say charming per se, no shade to the Gemini Rising. The library is open, everybody. Well, because I think Gemini Risings can sometimes say things, you know, just kind of out of the blue and then be like, oh, I hope I didn't offend. And maybe they did. You know what? That's fair. Whereas, you know, we'll get to Libra, but I think, you know. No, that's true. That's that's what we call charming. Yes. (laughs) But Gemini, you know... Any Gemini that you have in your chart is always going to be a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I'd say if Libra was Prince Charming, Gemini's Prince Fun. (laughs) Well, who doesn't want Prince Fun? Yeah. I prefer Prince Fun, please. I don't know. Maybe Virgo won't. No, that's true. Virgo probably would want Prince Fun. Yeah, because they need it. (laughs) Wow. This is the shadiest shadiest, uh, episode. Well, it's, you know, Aquarius, Sun, Capricorn, Moon. Yeah, and I'm sick. I'm vulnerable. I'm just going to keep talking about how sick you are all I'm vulnerable. He's very sick, you guys. He's so sick. No, I'm fine. Um, Cancer rising. Oh, lovely. So sweet. So accommodating. They'll take your shoes off for you and massage your feet. Yeah, you're feeling the sensitivity. They want you to feel at home. Yeah. But what's rising to the surface, I think that's one way we can think about the rising sign too, is like mm-hmm. what rises to the surface first when people meet you or engage with you with a cancer rising, people are going to feel your sensitivities. Yeah. But I think too, because, you know, we always talk about cancer as being the symbol of the crab, there's that hard exterior, you know, they can be a little cold initially. But it's protective. It's protective because once they let you into the house, then they're like, "There's so many seat. breakables here." <laughs> <laughs> totally, I have to trust you. So I think it's like a really sweet placement to have. And then moving into a Leo rising. Hello, Queen. Queen. So you know you need to recognize that you have a desire to be the center of attention. Yeah, a flair for the drama. You a flair say. for the dramatic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um. And that's a great thing to have, particularly, you know, like if you have a sun or a moon sign that is a little bit more withdrawn, a little bit more internal, mm-hmm. to have that Leo rising is a really nice balance to it. Yeah. Well, it's so creative, too. Yeah. But if you have a Leo rising, people are going to maybe assume that you're an extrovert when truly, like maybe you're a Leo rising with a Virgo moon, you're a deep introvert. Yeah. So you're finding like ways to express it. Um, or let it out. Yeah, and your journey in this life is to rise to the invitation of letting yourself be seen, putting yourself on stage in the spotlight. Completely. I was just thinking that. So in a way, like what a gift, even if it is like your greatest challenge to have a Leo rising, but to have something that is like inherently trying to push you forward out into the world, you just have to be able to like accept that. Yeah. Virgo rising, speaking of, so because we were speaking of Virgo. Mm Mm-hmm. So Virgo rising again, you know, if your earth sign is what people feel most, you know, people are going to feel you to be stable, secure, but Virgo rising, they also might feel you to be a little controlling or a little bit of a perfectionist. Um, It also might be that they feel your healing presence. Remember that Virgo is the sign of the healer. Yeah, that high vibe. Yeah, but you also might be the sort of person, if we think about the rising sign also as the lens through which we're looking through things, Virgo could be looking at the world in terms of what needs to be fixed Mm. or how things need to be put in place, you know? So there's just a tendency maybe... we, We know that Virgo has a tendency to be one of the more critical of signs, and I think a Virgo rising might be a little critical of what they see externally. 
Yeah, so you have to be careful not to like overemphasize, you know, the particulars and situations to a point where you're turning people off. Yeah. And don't miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful world out there if you open your (laughs) eyes to it. It really is. Um, (laughs) Angel literally is like gazing like a small child out the window at the rain. It's beautiful right now. Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, but there is such a like maternal element too to having a Virgo, you know, Virgo rising. Yeah. So, you know, being able to embrace that piece of you too, not being afraid to sort of be of service and take care of others, you know, to actually like find your way. So if you are like, let's say an Aries or a Leo with a Virgo rising where you are sort of a little more you oriented, to have to move toward that, how do I get out of myself and into wanting to help others is going to only help sort of get you into more of your authentic self. Moving right along. Libra rising, you gorgeous, beautiful things. Princess Charmina. <laughs> yeah. It's the new name for the sign, <laughs> Princess Charmina. Also known as. Well, first of all, I just got to say, a Libra rising, you know how to put yourself together, girl. You are always going to look flawless. Yeah. The outfit, the beauty, the... You know, Venus ruled the curation of your physical presence is gorgeous, tight, <laughs> fresh, okay. tilapia. Okay, <laughs> you've gone off the rails. I have. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think the great thing about that Libra rising is that they are so like congenial for everyone, you know. But of mm-hmm. course, then the trapping is how are you trying so much to like bring balance to every situation that you're potentially sort of doing it at detriment to yourself. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, and maybe this is totally off, but I always think of the fact that we each within ourselves have like an inner mom and an inner dad and an inner child. Mm -hmm. And it might be interesting to think of your moon as your inner mom, your sun as your inner dad, and your rising as the inner child. Who's growing up. Exactly. And who needs to be taken care of and schooled and grown. I love that. So... How are how is your inner mom and your inner dad helping your inner child as opposed to prohibiting, completely blocking no. or denying? That's great. So it is important to really help nurture that rising element of you. Yeah, because y'all, the reason why astrology works and that astrology is real is because everybody is their own unique combination of things. And so Every piece matters. You can't go, oh, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really get into my rising that much. I just work with my sun and my moon. It's like, well, you're missing out on a really big piece of your authenticity. I would say that's a piece of your soul that you're denying. Yeah, completely. Um, because it has such a like connection to your state of presence. Yeah, because your rising is the present moment. Well, that's what I'm saying about it being so connected to your authenticity. I love that. You know, so if you're not connected to your rising, you're not connected to your authentic expression of self. So probably the spikiest of all the rising signs would be the Scorpio rising because you can always feel that. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, it's that intensity that can't be denied. Yeah, she's a powerhouse. Um, There's like a real just like, yeah, without repeating, but yeah, a depth of intensity there um, of power. You know, it's that Pluto ruler. Right. You know, so, you know, Pluto is the the ruler. It's the gravitas. Yeah, when well, I was going to say the ruler of transformation, so who better to transform the energy of a room than, than a Scorpio, Scorpio rising? rising? Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so I I would say then really important to be aware of yourself 
your energy as a Scorpio rising, to be extra responsible for the energy you bring into a room. Oh, that's so well said, actually, because certain placements are definitely more power filled than others. And with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And that actually just makes me think of the whole concept of like the energy we bring into the room. I remember so many years ago, I think about it so often because I feel like, I don't know, it was many years ago that you and I got into a pretty big fight. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but you did say to me, you need to be aware of the energy that you bring into a room. Oh, I remember this fight. <laughs> and that was kind of like the first time I'd really like thought of that concept. And I mean, I, and now I, I utilize it all the time. Um, it was such a gift to think of that. And you can really look at your rising as as that energy you bring into a room and you can either be exhibiting its low vibe or high vibe so how do you do your best to connect to that high vibe energy in a way that allows you to do that so so how would you maybe define high vibe scorpio i think the power of a high vibe scorpio rising is the ability to get people as excited Mm. as interested as passionate about what you naturally, because, you know, Scorpios tend to feel things at a 10 all the time. Right. It's always all or nothing. And I think for them to be able to husband other people into that degree of intensity is really important. Yeah, yeah. That's how we get change. That's how we mobilize, you know, grassroots movements is getting people excited, getting people passionate. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the low vibe version of that is to use probably like guilt or manipulation, you know, (laughs) or, you know, like to rile people up in a negative way. Yeah. Fear. You know, yeah. To use fear. Like we can all connect over the things that we all dislike, but wouldn't it be just a better time if we connected over the things that bring us joy? Uh, Yeah. Generally. Yeah. So speaking of Sag rising. Joy rising. <laughs> Would you say that could be potentially the most joyful rising or no? Yeah, I think so. Because I think Sagittarius is so buoyant and sparkling. Mm-hmm. For that to be the first thing that you meet, you're like, oh my gosh, what is this kind of like magical unicorn? Yeah, talk about an excited. And like to go anywhere and do anything, you know, the Sag just wants to keep the party moving. The Sag doesn't want the party to end. So a Sag rising, you meet them and you're like, oh my God, this person just like, it's so much fun to be in your presence. Well, yeah, and they want to learn about everything. So, you know, they're excited to hear about what you're interested in. You know, because they want to be able to then take that to the next cocktail party and be like, you'll never guess what I just learned. Or, you know, or this great book you should read. You know, so they're always like trying to inspire other people, ignite fires of interest. Yeah. And I always like to remind people, you know, because Sagittarius is the party girl, but it's also the truth seeker. And so what that means is that people meet your desire for truth first. They meet your seeker. A Sag rising is somebody who's always constantly trying to get to the heart of the matter. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as an as a Sag rising, it's important, I think, to like honor your interests, you know, honor your compulsion to like want to learn, to grow, to expand your world of knowledge, um, you know, and not to, you know, get caught up in maybe feeling like, oh, I'm not smart enough or I don't, you know, I'm not a, a whiz at this thing, so I'm not going to even like give myself the opportunity to try to understand it, you know? Like the more you can move yourself toward 
um, you, that interest, I think then the greater you can become at actually like moving it into a piece, you know, at being, becoming a piece of your life. Yeah. So important to be, to be excited about things. And then Capricorn rising, you know, we're definitely meeting the mountain. Yeah. There's a stoicism there. There's a, uh, real sense of control. Um, you know, low vibe, there could be, you know, pessimism, negativity, complaining. Uh, in the same way that the Virgo rising might, you know, be drawn to see a lot of the problems in the world, the Capricorn rising can also be drawn to see what isn't working as opposed to what is. Yeah. Well, they're such great problem solvers. I always say that, you know, the challenge is like that they will then just like look for the problems in a plan so that they have, you know, something to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like learning how to sort of, because they are such, they are leaders, you know, so it's like learning how to lead through empowerment. I've actually been listening to Brene Brown's latest book, Dare to Lead. And, you know, she talks so much about that whole need to, you know, not lead from a place of like, well, here's my game plan and everyone like follow suit. You know, her whole thing is like, I want to lead. Um, but how do I do it from a way of like empowering everyone within the group? You know, and I think that that's really important. It's like knowing that as a Capricorn rising, you don't have to solve all the problems. You can empower others to solve them themselves. Exactly. And help sort of create that collaboration. You know, there is like a real spirituality we always talk about with Capricorn. Absolutely. So the idea of remembering that, you know, not everything is just taking place in the real world, but that everyone has like a spiritual purpose. Right. And what's the spiritual purpose of what you're building in the real world? Yeah. And so how Capricorn you... can remind everybody like, what are we really fighting for here? Yeah. What are we all really fighting for collectively? But then what is everyone's specific purpose that they can bring to the table? And how do I help them to manifest that? Love that. And then, of course, the great collective sign. Aquarius rising. Aquarius. You know, so people are going to meet your weirdo. That's like what they're, that's what they're meeting first, Aquarius rising. Like, I hate to break it to you. People will be like, who is this freak show? In a, in a good way, you know, yeah. like it's, there's a quirkiness. There's an eccentricity that you can't deny. And why would you? Um, she loves a flowy garment. <laughs> Does she? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like that's the like visual i have it's that's like very funny. stevie nicks that's interesting i always imagine like aquarius like being like wearing like asymmetrical like very like structured garments well that's the thing with the aquarius rising i mean they can you really never know thing yeah they're like mary tyler where they're changing outfits every scene <laughs> totally um but of course you know like aquarius rising people are going to meet your innovator your dreamer your scientist your inner alien mm -hmm. um and there is this sense of like what can I do to build the community around me? Um, you know, Aquarius rising friendships, relationships, really important. I think, you know, if Capricorn is strategic relationships, Aquarius is heart-centered relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like not necessarily about what this relationship is going to bring me. It's about what this relationship means to me. That's sweet. I like that. And I guess the downside would be like Aquarius rising, you can come off as like a little aloof you can come off as a little cold or hard to get at sometimes. Right. So just be aware of that if you can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's that whole scientist element. Yeah. I and mean, that's, you know, it's it's cosmic air. It's electric air, you know. So there is a piece of it that does feel a little inaccessible if you're not already in that realm. You know, it's like if you want to talk about sci-fi, the Aquarius is like, come on in. So warm, so excited. But like if you're not, if you're not in that subject, 
you might have difficulty connecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Aquarius rising, you know, make sure, ironically, that even though you're the sign of the collective, that you're not isolating people that don't share some of your own beliefs and passions. Totally. You know, and really owning your eccentricity, because that is how you will then inspire the collective by being your authentic self. You're inspiring everyone else to do the same. And then finally, Pisces rising, you know, and Pisces rising like Scorpio rising, you really know it when you meet it because you're meeting the dreamer. Totally. And I find that Pisces rising tend to have these very like watery, pissy and eyes. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah, you can always see it. Um, But what's rising to the surface, Pisces, is your spiritual uh, sensibility, your creativity, your romanticism. You know, this, remember, is the most intuitive, most evolved sign of the zodiac. The problem with Pisces is that you forget how to be here in form because you're so (laughs) close to the spirit world. And so a Pisces rising, you know, you're going to be like, who is that mystical? I mean, the other thing about a Pisces rising, too, though, is like they're hard to pin down. Like they can be flaky. (laughs) They can like be losing their shit all the time because they're not fully here. I'm sorry, Noche. It's true. So we had some great questions come in. I know Angel's got questions, but uh, I want to start it off with this great question that came in through my Instagram. Yeah, from who? Uh, This question came in through Gail.Edmonds. And the question is, if your ascendant is in the last degrees of the sign, is that sign more or less powerful? Oh, that's interesting. I think that is a really interesting question. So remember, there are 30 degrees to a sign. Mm -hmm. And so you can be a zero degree Aries rising or you can be a 29 degree Aries rising. Yeah. So how would you start to talk to that question? Well, I mean, I always say that, you know, it's been my understanding that if you're like a 29 of anything, there is like a sense of like mastery Mm. that comes with that this idea of you know you're here to sort of articulate that sign at its greatest highest form i love that you know move into that whereas like if you're the zero degree of it you're just learning how to be in this energy yeah you're the baby of it so i i always think like you know yeah if you're like a 29 let's say virgo rising you know, the idea is how are you going to, you know, you're here to to really sort of embody that like highest spiritually inclined form. And if you think about it, that means most of that Virgo is in the 12th house, which is that connection to spirit, that connection to the unknown. So, it is, you know, a lot of your life is helping you sort of learn to understand that highest vibe mentality of it so that you can then express it out into the world. Um, So I think there's something really... It's a perfecting, it's a refining, it's a crystallizing as you move through it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. And and, uh, I mean, not that I really want to use like the word perfecting, but I guess it makes sense given that I used Virgo as the example. It does. Um, But yeah, I think it is like really sort of learning to understand that sign in its highest form but i do think on some level it does mean that you you know have more years to cover in your early development that are really going to you know push you toward you know needing to grow up to some level grow or or more so grow into that rising element of yourself okay what questions do you have babe well, what came in through the spiritual gaze account? Uh, 
Um, well, I mean, we got a, a lot of great questions. Um, one I thought I'd bring up is from the lovely Gabriella 22. Yes. Um, now, is it true that the ruler of your rising sign is your planet chart ruler? Oh, what a good question, Gabriella. Yeah. Now, I think that's a really interesting question and, and would make sense the idea of that, um, you know, being your chart ruler. Um, and I think there's like a a couple different schools of thought there. Um, one that I've always enjoyed and that I've always looked at as the chart ruler is what is the what uh, planet sits at the highest point of your chart, which is like so essentially like closest to your mid heaven. Mm. Um, and I guess, you know, probably the reasoning behind that is that, you know, your mid heaven is sort of, you know, I always I learned it um, from one of my teachers many, many years ago that it's sort of your life purpose line. So the idea of whatever planet is closest to it is sort of helping to, you know, like inform your life purpose. I love that. Yeah. So so I would. So for me, that's what I've always on some level considered like you're the chart ruler. If we're talking from in that regard, Um from you know from a planetary standpoint okay um but that being said i mean i think there is you know something interesting to the notion of you know if you know you're an aries rising so mars would would rule your chart to some degree because it is sort of the beginning of it it's that beginning energy it's that outward expressive energy but i guess you know I wouldn't, uh, for me, I wouldn't necessarily consider it that because, you know, that would then correlate it to, you know, what we're expressing outward is, is our ruling, you know, energy. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, y'all, you're going to learn these different schools of thought and you're going to choose, you're going to be intentional about yeah. who you decide is the, is the ruler of your chart. Yeah. Based on what it is that you are deciding that you're going to do with your life. I was just, you know, I'd never heard that before about the mm. the highest planet. And so I looked and mine's... Well, yours ne- is very specific, right? It's Neptune. Yeah. I've got which, Neptune hello. like on my midheaven, which actually makes a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. the planet of spirituality is my ruling planet. Well, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. And I think actually for me, it's actually my Mars and Pisces. Wow. Which honestly does not surprise me, especially because it sits in my 11th house. So very, you know, similar in some level to to Neptune. Yeah. You know, but it makes sense that Mars would be my ruler, but through the lens of Pisces. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then what was the third school in terms of planetary rulers? I think, it, uh, you know, I think probably the old school version of it is like. Just based on the sign. Based on the sign. So you're an Aquarius sun, which means that you are Saturn ruled or Uranus ruled, depending on how you go. Yeah. And I think there's even a version of it, too, that's like if you have four planets in Aries, let's say, then Mars would, you know, Mars slash Pluto, depending on which one you look at, would be the ruler because it's, ener- you know, it's the most energy that's in there. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think there are different versions of it that you can look at. Um, but yeah, I've, for me personally, I've always looked at that 10th house one and, or, or that highest one, I should say, because you might not have one in your 10th house. It might be your ninth house, your eighth house even. You yeah. Know? Um, but I've always looked at it as, as like, you know, when I look at someone's chart, that tends to be the first place I look. I love that. It makes me really want to look through all of my friends' charts right now. <laughs> well, we're recording. Give it a minute. Too late. I'm already looking at things. All right. Well, we have to move on. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, oh my right. God, Angel, you're so wise. This is so. This is so. Dumb. I mean, I'm not so wise. I learned it from somebody else. Well, whoever you learned it from is wise <laughs> as fuck. It's the collective. All source. right, let's answer three more questions, and then we got to bring this show in for a landing. All right, um, Conrad Schwell has uh, said, "I've heard that you may lean more towards your ascendant after Saturn returns. Is that true?" Um, I don't know if I would say that that's necessarily true if it's specifically connected to your Saturn return, because I do think it is, but I do think it's connected to just personal growth, you know, as you, you know, your own personal evolution and, you know, what is the greatest marker of our personal revolution than our Saturn return? You know, it's the time where we all are sort of first asked to step up and evolve. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, some of us have two, maybe even three Saturn return transits in our lives, depending on how long we live. Um, so maybe I, we'll even have four. Who knows how long we're going to live. Right. Um, but I think there's something to just even, you know, I think it's Anne Orderly who um, we've talked about. We think we already mentioned her. Amazing astrologer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, I think even on some level, and I don't know exactly how it works, but you know, that like the number degree of your rising. So if you're like a three degree rising, that it that it almost like connects to your age. Oh, yeah. Like you're three years old. Yeah. So at three years old, it kind of kicks in. Mm, that's very interesting. Yeah. So I think there's different versions of it that you can look at. But I for me, I, I do really think it's just as we evolve, we grow. The goal is to evolve and grow toward that rising. And to integrate it into the rest yes. of your astrological makeup. Yeah, as we've been talking about. Like, yeah, how do I integrate it even better? Again, all in the name of authenticity. Okay, two more questions. <laughs> she on a countdown, everybody. Capricorn Moon. Uh, Keeping things right. on track. She is. I, I appreciate it. Um, v Trump Red asks, how planets on the rising affect you and your instinctual way of being? Okay. You want to jump in on that? Well, so we're talking about planets that you have conjunct your ascendant, meaning these are planets that are right there. Mm -hmm. And I would just say that people are meeting those planets with your rising. Yeah, You know, like if you've got Jupiter in the first house, you know what I mean? Basically, any planet that you have in the first house is your rising. It's the house of the rising. And so people are going to feel that. People are going to meet that energy. Completely, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of someone I know who has pluto on their ascendant and pluto is obviously a very they're not a scorpio rising but pluto is a very scorpio energy so you know that that's they're gonna be a libra rising but they're also gonna have that scorpio, a scorpio element, element yeah. to them so there's gonna be like extra intensity there you know so yeah if you have neptune on your rising uh yeah you're gonna exhibit those like intuitive sort of ethereal qualities um it's just going to be a part of your rising makeup and it's going to be a part of that energy you need to embrace more of you know um i think it's like a that's a really interesting thing to look at and understand and even like you were saying like if you even just have a planet in the first house that's in that rising sign the same sign as like i have jupiter in the first house in taurus it's eight degrees away from my rising, so it's not sitting right on top of it. But I definitely think that Jupiter informs the way that I express out into the world. You know, I think it's what like 
has kept me like, you know, sort of connected to optimism, even in my like darkest moments in life. Um, I think Jupiter has like been an energy that's helped inform that, you know? Gorgeous. Okay. Last question. Our last question. I had somebody write in and they just, they just want to know, does Aries rising have what it takes? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Uh, Cest V Ray. Girl. Girl, you know they do. Yeah. Oh that's my God. I mean, well, you're like, also asking an Aries rising. Yeah. So that's so funny. That's like my favorite question. But this is also a great question. And it's actually about Aries rising too. So the Aries risings are out here in these streets ready for a fucking <laughs> conversation. Um, and this comes from um, one of my fave listeners, Queer Officiant. I'm an Aries rising. Hey, girl. I know, right? Which means all my signs line up with their corresponding houses. Hey, right? girl. Yeah. Wait, but the funny, then there was a follow up. So what does that mean? I'm not a fan of my rising sign. Oh, <laughs> Sad no. Face. Sad So first face. off, I think you need to give a little pep talk to the Aries risings out there. Obviously, I mean, already the combination of that. I mean, they have what it takes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, I love I love me. My Aries rising. All right. Well, inspire the children. Listen, y'all. Aries is the leader. It's the first sign of the Zodiac. It's the energy of initiation. We can't start anything without the Aries. So your Aries rising, you get things going. You get the project started. People need your enthusiasm. You say, let's do it. And then all of a sudden the people rally around you. So I think it's important to kind of engage with that. But I want to speak to the interesting thing about being an Aries rising is that you experience everything almost in a double way Mm. because every house lines up with every planet. I mean, with every sign. Yeah, yeah. So there's no, I'm going to say that there's a lack of complexity because everything is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like your second house is Taurus. Your third house is Gemini. There's no other colors to be brought in there. And so I think that if we... Well, except when like the planets are... Right, yeah, the planets. But I think in terms of like being an Aries and being at the beginning of the wheel, it's about learning the true nature of things as they are Mm. before we get to the complexity. Wow. So you're like, on some level, you're like, well, because it is the child. You're here to express and learn essence. Yeah, you're like a student to every sign. And a student to purity. Like wow. what is pure Taurus? What is pure Gemini? Uh-huh. And so I think that's actually very exciting. And in that way, even as the child of the Zodiac, the Aries can also be the teacher because it's reminding us in the same way that children teach us. It's reminding us what we've forgotten as intellectual complex adults. Oh, I love that. So Aries rising, queer efficient, you should be grateful and proud. I'm going to throw an Aries rising party. <laughs> Only yeah. Aries risings, yeah. You're going to do that? Can you do it? I'm going to do it right now. Can you do it through the interwebs? (laughs) Yeah. So that everyone can participate? Yeah, my Aquarius son is going to figure it out. On the first day of Aries, honey. Oh my gosh, we're going to have an Aries rising rising party. Like Insta Stories party. I love it. All right, well. We'll get some fire. We'll get get, get things that are Aries. We'll get fireworks. As an Aries, can I come? No. That's rude. You can throw your own Taurus rising party. (laughs) Everyone will be late. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We've been so shady today. No, we've been having fun. All right. So I know that was supposed to be our last question, but I did see one more that I really wanted to talk about. All right. I think I'll it's allow it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So this is from Anbo80. What up, Anbo? <laughs> is there any significance to me having the same rising sign as my daughter's sun sign? Mm. Yeah, so I think this is really interesting just because uh, this is something that I've noticed and paid attention to and I think is really interesting. And it was something that was actually a really uh, a big part of my learning astrology um, because my best friend at the time 
had the exact same degree um, rising as my sun sign. And I always found it like so interesting, like that it had a lot to do with like them really understanding like how I express out in the world and me really understanding their essence. So let me sort of describe that a little more clearly. You know, if the sun sign is like our soul essence, it's our, you know, just that pure essence of being that we are rising being how we come across to the world, you know, that whole what we're moving toward. There's like a really beautiful synergy in that relationship when it comes to seeing it expressed, you know, between two people. So, you know, if your rising sign is the same as a sun sign, there is like a synergy in how the two of you can relate to each other and connect. You know, again, you, you know, the rising, the person with the rising sign can really sort of identify that sun sign's soul essence, you know. They get to, on some level, like understand them a little more clearly, better. Yeah, interestingly, as an Aries rising, I have a lot of Aries suns in my life. And I love my Aries suns. Oh, yeah. here you are. I know. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thanks. I'm so glad to hear that. But I was thinking, like, I have a lot of friends who are Aries. Like ever, even before I met you, right? I had a lot of Aries in my life. Right. There's something there that's comfortable. Yeah. Like, you get it. I do. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, for me, like I have that experience with Taurus. Um, and like, as an example, like Justin, Justin Simeon, who, you know, does music. He's been who? on our show. Yeah. That queen. What? What am I going to um, him? <laughs> but, you know, he's a Taurus with an Aries rising and me vice versa. So I think it's like really interesting. Like, I feel like we can, ha- we have like such a like good shorthand of like, hey, girl, hey, oh, I see. Okay. Got, okay. Like our conversations can be like that to some degree mm-hmm. because there is just this like almost shortcut of understanding there, totally yeah you know that if you can like accept it and like utilize it it can be also a really great tool for like learning to understand yourself better and i think if there's challenge in a relationship like that then it's worth looking at if you're challenged you know if what you're getting from the other person is a piece of yourself that you're challenged to accept or integrate tweet tweet so I think it's a really exciting, valid, especially with a child, to have that relationship, like not only to be able to cultivate sort of a natural form of understanding between the two of you, but what can you really learn from each other? Again, the person with the rising um, from the sun on how to just sort of allow yourself to be, and then that person who's relating to the rising, how you need to sort of pr- allow yourself to be out and and express out into the world. So we rose to the challenge of the rising, everybody. Yeah, thank you all for sending in your questions. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of them. There were a lot of great ones. Um, But obviously there'll be more to come and more conversations about the rising and all things. So we are going to transition into our tarot card for the episode. So just take a moment and release anything that's happened up into this moment and just connect, tune in to your own heart, to your own breath. Can I pick it this time? Yes, you can. Look at that, everyone, the Aries. So you can connect to the cards by hearing me shuffle them. And just know that this message will resonate for you no matter the future place or time in which you receive it. Okay, I'm going to go spread them out and let Angel pull one. Oh my God, you guys, I'm so excited. He never lets me touch his tarot card. That is not true. (laughs) 
All right, I pulled one, everybody. So Angel pulled the Eight of Swords. Oh. No, eights are expansions in uh, unseen realms, expansions in time and space, expansions in uh, perceptions. And the Eight of Swords truly is about removing your self-imposed limitations. What I'm looking at in the art of this particular deck is this little girl, and she is trapped behind eight swords that are kind of sticking into the snow. Mm. And she's got her head buried in her lap. She can't see that there's a huge portion of space where she could easily just get up and walk to the other side. So she's literally imprisoning herself. So the message of the Eight of Swords, because swords are the mental realm, the stories we tell ourselves, to really look at what limitations have you agreed to as true that are actually not true at all. Mm. And one of my favorite examples of this is the limitation, I don't have time. Because we all have the same amount of time. If you say, I don't have time, what you're really saying is, I don't have interest. Damn. And so, fine. Just say it. Say, I don't have interest in doing that. You've just relieved yourself of that limitation, you know? Yeah. But just pay attention to the thoughts you're thinking about what is possible. Because the Eight of Swords wants you to know that you, you are what is standing in your own way towards achieving the impossible. I love that. And so relevant to our what we were talking about with the Pisces retrograde coming up. Yeah, very true. You know, like disconnect from all the stories and just let intuitive mind come in. Yeah. Eight of Swords is uh, transformation of the mind. Yes. Expansion of the mind as a tool to help you achieve the dreams of your heart. Oh, well, I'm excited. All right, my loves, thank you so much as always for tuning in, Yeah, for showing up, for reaching out and connecting. We adore you gazers and we are always so thrilled to have this, uh, this platform in which to connect. And You're the most beautiful collective there is in the whole wide world. You're a Libra rising. <laughs> and of course, a big thank you to Carl who facilitates the spirit of the technology so yeah. that you can hear these gorgeous words. And of course, a big thank you to Justin Simeon, who seems to always get mentioned in this podcast. Hey, Aries Taurus. <laughs> hey, Aries Rising. Good to see you. Uh, for the interstitial music, which yes, we, we love it. continue to love and adore. Uh, remember, you can always find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram or Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. And you can always reach out to us uh, through one of those or at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate us, leave a review. Yes, thank you to everyone who has been leaving reviews. We've had a couple great ones in the new year and we're so grateful for them. Oh, we love them. Yeah, um, but we'll always take more. Um, but yeah, it's just really helpful to help us get the word out there. And, you know, there's like a whole algorithm thing and it helps build it up. So, you know, also use it as a creative writing exercise for yourself. <laughs> Not too creative. No. Only if it's really beautiful. I apologize. I have no limitations. Whatever you want to write, we'll, we'll receive. Look at you. That's the Capricorn moon, everybody. Until next time, <laughs> this has been your moment in... The, the Spiritual, Spiritual Game!